Come on with the drum solo. You know who that is. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode number 14 of Bootstrap Growth. I am beyond pumped to have today's guest on today. My literally like the first mentor I ever had, the only reason that I am where I am, my bestest of buddies, oh, and the leader of the sales rebellion, the leader, Dale Dupree. What's up, dude? Oh, man, I'm just chilling. What's up with you? Dude, I'm doing the exact same thing as you right now. So if that's chilling, then I'm chilling. Word. Double chilling, bro. That's what's up. The, The most amount of chilling available. Should we tell people about riding around the block? <laughs> Dude, I'm all about it. The people listening right now, pause this and YouTube search riding around the block, listen to the song, and then come on back. Ready? Pause. Dude, wasn't that the funniest song that you ever heard? <laughs> Not say for work also before. Well, we <laughs> oh, should have said that before. We oh, did well. Oh, oops. Well, uh-uh. so, well, yeah. Anyway, but Dale, I'm super, I'm super pumped to have you. As the peeps that listen to this know, when I bring on a guest, we get super tactical, we get super practical, and we basically build a process for a company. And you being the sales leader that you've been, and what you're doing right now at the Sales Rebellion, I thought no better person to come on and really discuss what it looks like to build a sales team and a sales strategy in 2020. Um, So Dale, I think really where I wanted to get started first off is it's 2020, let's say you're a SaaS company, right? Because I think everyone that listens to this is a SaaS, (laughs) it's in SaaS, like, is everybody in the yeah. world in SaaS? Yeah. I like, I, I'll be honest, even copier salesmen now are SaaS salesmen. So, like, yeah, let's be real. So, um, today, what is it? July 8th, 2020. Yes. Where do you start building out a sales strategy? What is it? What, where do you start? So, I think the first thing that you've got to recognize in 2020 is that there is a ton of market data available. And so if you sat back and said, I want to start a SaaS company, number one, and I think this is one of the most important things that isn't talked about too often, but number one is, is that you need your product to not be bland and generic, right? And if, and if it is, if you're starting a company and you're creating a product and it's bland and generic, go ahead and hang up the phone on yourself and go back and work for something else. Somebody what do you else. consider so, a bland and generic? So like, this product, is the concept. Right? Like, let's get deep about this. Yeah. So if yeah. you were if you were to go out and get a copier dealership, you only have to choose from about you know six or seven manufacturers, right? And and there's a couple more that you can choose from these days, but they're garbage anyway. So, so because of because you only have this bland and generic product, right? And that's all that's available to the market. You got to do something to innovate around it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm, that's what I'm really saying more than anything. I'm not saying that your product can be bland and generic, but the way that you present it to the market and the way that they purchase it from you needs to be something exciting. Yeah. It needs to do more than just 
meet their quote unquote minimum requirements, right? Yeah. That's, that's the mindset, you know, dude, and this is a crazy thought, but how many times can, have you sat back and looked at somebody using a product or using a service in the, in its most basic format, you've sat there and watched them use it and just go, Oh my God, if somebody trained you on how to use this thing, it would blow the doors off this place. And so I think yeah. that's the mindset that people need to start with in the very beginning is my product. If it's a commodity, and it is bland and generic, how am I going to change the game around it? And that's where the market research comes in. There's so much information out there, right? So much information out there. So getting on the internet, which is called Google now, I think, mm. um, and, okay. and using the Google to, wow. to, to just go and look and see like, who's my competition, right? What's my ICP? You know, so, so who specifically am I looking to target inside of the marketplace? Not just companies, but the buyer themselves inside of the organization, but also not trying to be exclusive about that as well, too. So thinking a little bit differently, like, well, okay, so my product doesn't necessarily isn't popular in this space over here, but has anybody ever tried to go and talk to somebody in that space and said, yep. hey, if uh, we could offer you this, what would it change your life? You know, would it, would it be able to help processes? Would it be able to help your business? You know, so I think in the beginning, it's a lot of questions. It's a lot of uh, searching. So it's like soul searching too, right, bro? Cause it's the idea of like, what's the purpose? What's the reason for all this yeah. in the first place? You just want to make some money. Yeah, that's cool. Go get a McDonald's franchise and make some money. You know I mean? Like for sure. As simple as that. No, well, I guess it's not that simple because it's kind of hard to buy one of those these days. But, <laughs> but, well, yeah. There's some cool other fast food restaurants now, right? You know, like in and out and Bojangles, like bro. You ever Bojangles. had Bojangles? Dude, yeah, bro. Back in the touring dude. days. Yeah, man. Bro, dude. I remember we used to stop at Bojangles anytime. That and Zaxby's, bro. Anytime we went south, because we were from Maryland, bro. And if we hit, we, when we crossed that Mason-Dixon line and Zaxby's starts showing up, bro. Ooh, come it's on, like somebody. Jack in the box when you go, when you go out west, right? When, like, yes, first, dude. What a burger or the first Jack in the box shows up. You're like, oh, let's eat that. And it's That's funny too, sure. because you think for some reason that it's like exclusive and good food when it all comes from the same place and they just put like a different amount of breading on it and fry it. Yeah. hundred percent. <laughs> yeah. And KFC has got their secret herbs and spices though, yeah, which I'm yeah. pretty sure like paprika, salt, pepper, and like onion powder. The end. Yeah. Yeah. Just those four fight me. For sure. <laughs> yeah. well, and so, that goes so, back to your question though, right? Because it's this idea of, you know, even in that market that you're talking about, fast food, that people become indoctrinated by a brand, right? Yeah. So you're building that concept in the very beginning by doing this research and by being inquisitive about your own intentions and, and also the intention of the marketplace and what it is that you're trying to fill the void of. So Yeah, it's it's that it's that jobs to be done, right? Like by Clayton Christensen, like of, you know, and we're talking McDonald's. That's where he did most of his actual research was at a McDonald's. Like, why do you buy a milkshake at 8 a.m.? was his question. And it wasn't because it was enjoyable. It was because it tided them over to lunch. And so I think a lot of times we forget in business, what is the job that they're hiring our product to do on a grand scheme? Really? Like what really? And, and I think that if you don't do the market research, you won't ever know that. Cause like for me right now, I work for, I, I sell into CEOs of major health plans and healthcare organizations. Guess what? I've never been that. A lot of these guys are MD MBAs. Guess what? I'm not an MD MBA. But for me, I had to spend the first month and a half 
going and just really like learning what their day to day was to truly understand how they talked, what they did and really why they would even use our product. Right. Word. I wouldn't so. agree with that. But, but I think you're dead on because it's this concept too, that people get intimidated also by the concept of going into something that they've, they didn't grow up in or they didn't get a five-year degree in or yeah. they get intimidated by that as well too. When really the whole reason that those people got into it was one, the love of what it was they wanted to do, but two is because they went and they learned, right? And so if you were to go and do the same thing, wouldn't that be kind of a mirroring effect, which all salespeople in the world always talk about as their secret sauce, yet they all are afraid to do any of it in the first place, you know? Yeah, so you would say that building out the sales organization, the market research would be even going and talking to your ICP, your ideal client. A hundred percent. That would be how we started the sales rebellion. Yeah. Now let me What's ask you then. What's wrong with sales training and, and how many of you are actually doing it? And it was like 30% of companies, but the majority of companies, probably a hundred percent of them said, yeah, I could see that it would be helpful, you know, if we had it. And if anytime we ever did do some kind of training that people learned better from it and were more motivated in those moments didn't really last longer than that. And getting that kind of information and doing that kind of research is what helped us to understand what it was that we needed to be doing for people, which was give them tangible concepts that they could play out immediately, immediately and then become you know, almost addicted to, right, without yeah. using that word, you know, really just indoctrinated by in their own way though, because it's their ideas. We might help lay the ground rules, right? And, and kind of say like, try this, or here's some, here's some concepts, but they make it their own. And then it becomes this thing that they created. So, and I think that that's the big picture of it is that you figure out your, your market and then you make everything that you do something that's complementary in a way that makes the buyer feel like it was their idea all along. <laughs> yeah. How, how do you do that? Like that's, that's, you know what I mean? Like, how do I, yeah, it, it is a hundred percent, but you, I, I, I want you to tell us your spell. Um, but like, I think because obviously I I've worked with you, um, and the things that you talk about, they work because of what you're talking about, right? It's you, when you have the conversation with someone and you're real and you give them your reason and you tie your world in with their world and like you tell stories and you do all of these things, like it becomes this almost like they ask you to buy as opposed to you actually having to sell to them. But if I'm listening right now and I'm working for a company, I'm an account executive at a company and I've got a script that, you know, I make the, the cold call and it says, Hey Dale, I'm Ned with XYZ company and we help companies just like yours do ABC. How do I change it? Because here's the thing, what they think they're doing is what we just talked about. They think that the CEO that they're calling actually cares about what they're talking about right there, but they all know that <laughs> it doesn't. So how can they switch that up? Let, you know, I've done my market research. I know who these people are. I know what their pains are. I know exactly what their day-to-days are. I know where we fit in, but how do I then make it, make meeting me and then moving forward to a meeting and then purchasing our product? How do I make it seem like their idea? Yeah. And I think that's just it. You said it a few times, like their ideas cons- consist of what it is that you can find familiarity in, in regards to what it is that you're telling them. So one, one way that everybody knows is, everybody should know at least, is the personalization concept of the dial is that 
you got a list of 200 people, but if you can call one person and get them on the phone through a little bit of social engineering, like calling the sales department and saying, hey, man, I know that Mac doesn't just pick his phone up. I wanted to ask you for a favor. Is there any way that you could put in a good word for me? Do you know his schedule? Blah, 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 blah. I'm a sales, straight up, I'm a salesperson just like you. This is what I do. You know, and building alliances, like what can I do for you, bro? How can I help you build your business? You know, what I yeah. see you guys are in this space, you know, and getting intimate with people. It doesn't always work, but if it works 50% of the time, Awesome. It, it definitely worked more than that for me because as over time, especially as you do something repetitively enough, you get really good at it and you yeah. start to recognize what is it that people do like to hear and how can you truly serve somebody because that's the real nature of sales in the first place. And when people felt that difference, they suddenly started to say to themselves, no, this is friendly fire. And this is the concept though, dude, is it's accommodation theories more than anything, which we preach at the sales rebellion constantly, which is the, the mindset of basically disconnecting from your selfish self and saying like, yeah, I want to sell stuff and I want to make money, but I can't do it without somebody buying from me. And if I'm yeah. dialing these 200 people over and over again and nobody picks up, then where am I getting with this in the first place? So, you know, understanding a little bit about Kevin or Lisa from going on their LinkedIn profile and seeing a, a post even and saying, Lisa, that post this morning, wow, the stats on X, Y, and Z and this and that, I didn't even realize that. I'd love to talk to you more about that when you have a chance. Give me a call. And, yeah. and again, like asking it in a flavor in a way that when they call back and say, yeah, what did you want to know about it? That's when then you are asking something that triggers a question that leads back to what it is that you do. So when they say, so what do you do? You say, well, it's funny you ask because I actually help with those issues. It's yeah. why it really, it made a lot of sense to me and why it triggered me to call you in the first place. And those are the types of calls I think in general that people prefer to have in the first place. But if you're listen, if you're listening to this and you're, basically in a bullpen where you're, you know, just a piece of beef um, and not a nice one either, like an overburnt crispy on the edges, like just brown on the inside piece of beef, mm. right? Like, I'm sorry, number one, that you've been treated like that and that you've been, you've been overexerting yourself and burning yourself out through dials and, and just constantly being hitting the, the, the elimination point is what it is inside of a bullpen, yeah. right? Like you got 30 days to do something, buddy, you know, like that's not yeah. fun. But if you are in that place, just give up your talk track, but just give it up, surrender it and, yeah. and trust yourself, trust your gut. How do you have a normal conversation with somebody? You pick up the phone and you think to yourself, what is familiar? What do these people deal with? What are they used to? What would make me stand out? Yeah. And it's not about picking them up the, uh, then picking up the phone, you're singing them a song either, you know? Yeah. And especially not the song we just told everybody to go listen to. That'll yeah, don't get, sing that song. <laughs> you, know, you, you will definitely, you'll be eliminated in general. But yeah. the, the idea of saying, <laughs> Ned, what's up? This is Dale. And the next words you're probably expecting to come out of my mouth are something about 15% or more of savings. And can I get 10 minutes on your calendar next week on Tuesday? But I'm looking for something more than a surface level relationship or for you to hang up on me. And so I just wanted to be frank and clear, tell you that I've got a solution that I think will help your business, tell you why I think it will help because I was reading a couple of articles that you wrote for Forbes and I saw some of the things that you guys are innovating. And so I'm asking you for five minutes right now. And, and this is the thing too, dude, that I can't stand is when people say, can I take 30 seconds, right? Yeah. Nothing works in 30 seconds. Like I no. literally ask people, can I have five minutes or a couple yep. minutes, right? <laughs> yeah. Can I have like five minutes real quick? And, it, and if at some point you feel like this is going nowhere, I give you full permission to hang up on me. But you pick up the phone so there's there's no way you're, you're that busy. Yeah. And challenge people from that perspective because, again, like that's what they want. They don't want you to just be a pushover anyway. They want you to do something for their business as it is, right? 
Yeah, dude, I you you nailed it, obviously. But like um, this is something that I think is overlooked by a lot of salespeople. And I think number one, when you when you did that little talk track, number one, you were relevant, right? I think there's a difference between personalization and, and relevance, right? I can know what college you went to, I can know what your favorite food is, I can know where you work out, but then I just become a stalker, right? That I can be super personalized, but you have to be relevant to the like, hey. I know I'm the 15th call in the last five minutes to come through, but I have a solution that I know will help you because of X, Y, and Z. And I think what I love about what you said about challenging is that I I heard this one time, I forget who it was, but it was like, no one wants to be married to a loser. So winning and losing arguments, right? Like that might've been like a Dave Ramsey thing. I don't know. But I think about that too, when it comes to sales of like, I don't want to have a meeting with someone who I can push over, who I can, who, when I say, oh, we can only do, you know, 50% of what your asking price is. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. hundred percent. Like the relevancy plus the almost assertiveness of that talk track makes it almost impossible for someone not to be intrigued. I don't care if they say no, Right but they're act, they're at least intrigued, right? We've talked about this before one-on-one. The worst place you can be is indifferent, right? Yes. And so I think that challenge at the end of like, hey, you picked up the phone. The end. Yeah, yeah, right. And, that, and because it's also preemptive to what they're going to tell you, right? If you're a crappy salesperson, yeah. which is like, I'm busy. Why'd you pick up the phone? Is what you all think, everybody listening right now, when your prospect does that. Why'd you pick up the phone then if you're busy? So tell them before you get there, because it's this, it's also uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for you to say, because there's a, listen, there's a difference between being a dick and being assertive, right? There's a massive difference. And so that you have to also understand that if they are busy and you just happen to catch them in this weak moment where they're like, maybe this is something that could help me, you have to be the thing that can help them, right? So that's where the relevancy comes in, right? That's where being relevant and causing impact is extremely important in those first minutes. You know, people say all the time, they say, listen more than you talk, right? But the, the problem is, is that the talk track, 70% of it is asking for something that the salesperson wants, not discussing something that the prospect desires. And secondly, the words suck. Every single yeah. one of you listening, like you say things like, let me make an introduction. You know, nobody wants to hear things like that. No, they just want to hear why you're calling. Yeah. Right. Or even saying things like the reason for my call today, like, dude, we already know there's a reason in the first place, you know? And, and so, so get to what it is. The point will be right. As you're on the phone and use your words in a way that moves mountains instead of gets trampled on in the, in the first place in in the brain, when it hits the, the frontal lobe of the brain, that's where you get to activate things. And either it, it starts to spin and lights the whole thing up or it stays right there. And they just think, I don't care what yeah. you're saying. You know, so curiosity is a massive component to this as well, too. Think about it like this. I don't think a lot of people think like this either, which is an issue in the sales world, which is that the people you're calling have a sales department. Do yeah. you think their number one person is just like in the back, like, Oh, hi, uh, this is Stan. And I just wanted to get 15 minutes on your calendar. You know, like that's not happening. The number one person is the person that doesn't even make cold calls anymore. 
yeah. because they have a massive amount of relationships and they have a big territory that they've destroyed over the last 10 years through heart and hustle, right? I'm not talking yeah. about the grind. I'm not talking about some toxic work life. I'm talking about really yeah. pouring your blood, sweat, and tears into something and giving it your best. Those are the top salespeople. And so if you come along and mirror and mimic something familiar like that, they're going to be like, this is, we, here's another top salesperson that ours should not only meet, but then maybe we can hire this person. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, that's what's yeah. going through someone's head. Yeah, dude. You, one of the things that you absolutely changed in my career was the fact of like, hey, dude, stop calling like a salesperson and start talking like you talk. Word. And like that right there is the, the reason that guy's a top salesman, the reason he built those relationships is because when he went in and met with those people, he met with them and he met them where they were, shook their hand, had a conversation. And then it was like, Hey man, by the way, I really think that we could help your business. Here's why. Right. And I think that's where a lot of people like go. I, I know for me, it was like, Oh, I can't be friends with the CEO of a company. And like, I can't, you know, I'm 24, 25, you know, and you know, now at 27, I, Still at, you know, times I'll be like, well, God, I, you know, I can't build a relationship with this guy. But then like you actually build the relationship with these people and you're like, oh, they're human beings. And that right there, if you don't hear anything else from this podcast, you need to hear what Dale just said about the heart and the hustle of that top salesperson. Because what they did is they went out and they literally just treated people like human beings. They didn't treat them like pieces of meat. They didn't treat them like another commission check. They didn't forget about them once they made the sale. They went out there and they actually made an impact probably beyond business. I would guess. For sure. Right. And so I want to like, I think with that, when, when we're a company, right? Like let's, let's even just pull it in a little bit more is let's say that we know who we're talking to. We now have the mindset. We know that we got to talk to them like human beings. We know that, you know, if, if they just rewind like a couple of minutes, they can get like almost your exact talk track, right? I still use that <laughs> for the most part. Like, what are you, like, what does the system look like? Like when we're, am I cold calling? Am I cold emailing? Am I LinkedIn? Cause cold calling's dead, right? Like you can't make phone calls anymore, Dale. Yeah. I, you know, I, first off, I would just say the black out the noise of what other people are telling you. And yeah, even dude. my opinion doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's your choice and what it is that you want to make work. You know, I talked to a guy the other day that, that, is doing you know a couple hundred dials a day and he's getting nowhere but i have a mentee that just came out of the ucf professional selling program shout out to tyler peppers connect with them on linkedin the kid's going to be a rock star in the next year and this kid we changed one little simple thing in his talk track bro and this kid loves making 200 dials a day he's hungry yeah. for it man and so because of that you don't stop him and say hey dude listen that's not the way to do it you don't do that to people right this is what what he wants and yep. so instead of, instead of that, I said, all right, well, how do we make you the best 200 dial a day guy on the face of the earth? And he said, I don't know. What do you think? Here's my script. We changed a little bit of it, bro. Just a tiny bit. We infused his personality a little bit better, put him in places where he'll be more comfortable taking people and not in this, you know, bland generic script that he was given and boom, 
he started having a much higher close rate. The kid's making thousands of dollars a month now, where most yeah. of y'all are still trying to break six figures. This kid's going to bust it in his first year without even questioning it, bro. Yeah. And that's the, that's the mindset. The mindset is, is it's not so much like, which one should I do? It's this idea of what am I passionate about? What will carry all of me with it? And so for me, it's the idea of like being in front of folks. And so that's why we created Market Tools of the Sales Rebellion. Yeah. You know, so all of our students get access to them while they're in the system. And it's, you know, it's, it's somewhere in the range of right now, like 10 to 12 that's that students get access to. And then they all, but they're all multi-touch cadences as well too. So, cause the idea is, is how do we infuse you into something that the prospect gets in their hands? Mm-hmm. For example, I have a student right now that we just did the, the, uh, the, the trophy run with, you know, so the rebellion has a little bit of a, a fun piece where we reignite a conversation um, you know, by basically telling somebody like for not ever calling me back, here's the number, the number one trophy, right? Like, or, or yeah. when somebody, when it's like really hard to get a hold of somebody. And I know you did this with me as well too. At Dude, some point. So it was, it was, I'll, I'll, I'll let people know that this one it's, it costs 50 bucks for like 150 trophies. And you can put whatever you want on them, dude. And it is the greatest thing in the world. They get this box. And I did the crumpled letter inside of the trophy too. Right, yeah. And it would be like, and it said, number one for meeting with Ned Eric. And the amount of, that was, we did that when I was going out to LA and Las Vegas. And dude, those were the two of the most lucrative trips I've ever had, bro. Like absolutely brilliant continue sorry <laughs> yeah and 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 what's fun about everything you just said is just that the word fun is that you can feel you lighting up in that moment because we pulled something out of you that was like wait a second work can be something that i desire to do sales listen and i'm not saying that everybody hates their job that's in sales but everybody yeah. hates salespeople in any salesperson listening right now, I challenge you to, to prove me wrong that you don't hate salespeople too. Because when yes. you go down to buy a car or you go to, or you're like at Walgreens and one of the associates is bugging you about upselling you on something, you know, you get pissed off mm-hmm. and you treat them like dirt and you don't, and you won't admit it out loud like this, but in your head, you're going, damn, dude is, dude is right. You know? And so it's this idea of being conscious too inside of our own industry and saying, you know, people don't know any better. Yeah. We as salespeople have been told how to go and make money for a company. That's what we've yeah. been told. We haven't been told how to seek ourselves out, how to find our brilliance, how to become the thing that we desire to be and what our prospects desire us to be too. So marketing tools are brilliant because you know you can go you can be somebody still making two hundred dollars and you could send these ten little, you know, letter campaigns out or empty box campaigns out and, and yeah. to the rebellion and then all of a sudden those ten people are calling you back and you can go to your boss and be like, Hey man, so or, or ma'am, you know, I, uh, did my 200 calls, but I got 10 appointments off this over here, you know, and that's what I did to change my entire trajectory because I went from getting a lot of heat from people in the office kind of saying like, what are you doing to basically being left alone Mm -hmm. for the next seven years. Right. And, and, and that, except for the promotion, you know, the VP of sales, like even when I got promoted though, it was like, you need anything? <laughs> yeah. All right. Go do, go do your thing. Oh, you, yep. they, I remember when they told me, they said, we have to do one interview with the people that you want to hire and then we'll let you make whatever decision you want. <laughs> Basically. And so even when they would say like, I don't know, I don't know that I would hire that guy. I'd go, well, I want to. Yep. And they'd say, okay, let me do anything I wanted because I proved it. Right. Yep. So I think this is the concept of proof more than anything in your sales walk. Prove it to yourself. 
Yeah. Prove it to yourself that you're good enough to mm -hmm. be able to do the things that you desire, mm -hmm. the outcomes that you deserve, and the, and the experiences your prospects deserve as well too. Yeah, it's the it's it's be different, but the best part about this is it's very easy to be different because there's no one that's just like you. So like for me, that trophy thing with the crumpled letter in it and sending it out there, I had some of the best meetings I ever had because of that, because my passion went into it. I did, a, I did an episode a couple of weeks back now um, where I literally talked about you have to find your passion in your work. And, and I don't mean that like, oh, if your passion is underwater basket weaving. No. Like for me, like Dale, you know, like my passion is not cold calling. If you told me to make 200 dials, I would be like, no, like I'm not going to do that. I, I would cry myself to sleep. But if you tell me to build marketing materials, you tell me to do outbound via email or LinkedIn or video or a podcast or like what, like if you tell me to do what I do every day at Halos or what we're doing right now, I walk into work every day excited. You have to find what excites you most and do that. And the cool part about what Dale is saying is once you prove yourself and you get promoted to VP of sales or VP of growth or CRO or any of these big name companies, you can literally downstream and change the entire game for your company by letting Joe do what Joe wants to do and Sally do what Sally wants to do because that's what they're passionate about and you help them hit those numbers. And so I think if you know who you're talking to, you know what their, their problems are, you understand who they are, but then you you don't just say, oh, cold calling's dead. If Sally loves cold calling and she crushes at cold calling, Maybe we tweak that, you know, like you said, you, you tweak a little thing here, a little thing there. But if Joe wants to email and he wants to start a podcast and he wants to, you know, do video, dude, let them do that. And I think that too often we get so bottlenecked inside of like what works, what doesn't. And what you just said, I hope there are VPs of sales listening right now because that you're going to grow your sales team and your revenue if you just let people, obviously, they be on brand and you know, make sure they're doing the things that are actually creating results, but let them do where their passion, what their passion is inside of the business. Yes. 100%, yeah. Dude. Really, all they need is a little bit of guidance on what it is that they want to, the medium, I should say, that they want to choose. Yes. So, so if they say, yeah, I really love doing video, it's about, then it's about sitting back and saying, okay, why first off, why? So that we can tap into the passion and then, and then asking ourselves, well, what will get people's attention essentially? And not like what makes you happy in regards to doing the yeah. video and sending the video, but what makes your prospect happy? And like, if it were to come to you and we've done that before bro, in the beginning stages um, of us getting to know each other and you being in your B2B sales career, and, and me saying, all right, so like if you called, if, if you called yourself and you said that, what would you say? And, it, and it's like asking yourself <laughs> that question sometimes is pretty funny, right? Because you go, yeah, I yeah. probably would hang up on myself. <laughs> yeah, dude. I hate <laughs> myself, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so mad at me right now. What am I? So, you know, so I think that that's, it's accountability more than anything. It's understanding that the basics of human behavior are important. Psychology yeah. at its core fundamentals is important. That 
getting this whole notion out of the way that there's a silver bullet is important. And sitting back and saying, I got to experiment. I got to try. I got to push. Nobody cares as much as me. And so I'm going to show people just how much I care. Right. Yeah. And that, that's it. That's the unlock. It's that simple. But, but really when you say all that, you're like, Oh, okay, well let's do this thing. Well then tomorrow you wake up and you're deflated. And the next day yeah. you wake up and you're a little, you're a little jazz. And then you do your first 10 calls and somebody hangs up on you. Someone calls you a piece of shit. You mm-hmm. know, why are you cold calling? You know, and, and you get, you get all these little glimpses of failure and it drives you nuts. And it drives yeah. you to a point of, of, of a, a very dark place in most cases. But if not, it drives you to this point of failure where you just start saying like, is this really for me? And, and, the, and the thing is, is that there's an issue with that. And I think that that's mm-hmm. what should really be focused on more so than the medium, more so than this idea of what we're even talking about. The first, the forefront, or I should say the front lines of everything is your own mental health and your belief in yourself. Because yeah. if you're going into this stuff, understand that when I first started the Copier Warrior, it wasn't just like sparkly, you know, Skittles and rainbows, bro. It was, at first it was people telling me I was stupid and that this would never work. And even having a couple of buyers looking at me like I had just murdered one of their family members and brought the dead body in to, pr- to show them, you know, I mean, that's literally, it was, it was weird. But then on the fifth call, I didn't just walk up to the front desk and leave my, my, you know, eight and a half by 11 of doom with them, you know, that had me yeah. stabbing a copy machine, right. With a sword in the middle of the woods. Right. It, instead they looked at it and they looked at me and they said, one second and walked to the back and a person came up laughing and pulled me all the way back and took me and showed me all the copiers and talked to me the whole time. Where are you from? Yeah. How'd you find us? Yeah. How long you been in the air? I mean, they talked to me more than I could talk to them because they, they decided this is my guy, my copier guy. And I remember when people started calling me that, Oh, well, you're my yeah. copier guy. Yeah. And I started to realize just how intimate you could get with a prospect and how, how far you could go. And then the one or two people that were naysayers, it was like, bring them on, dude. Because I know that if I can find one or two, I'll find 10 that will love what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm going to, I'm going to double click on something you said there you said fifth call right i think a lot of times we forget that follow-up is important right but what frequency and how much so we have a thing called the living pipeline yes guys guys don't tell ned but we have the curriculum for that now which i never gave to him when he was a student so don't tell him um (laughs) Hey guys, don't, don't tell Dale that I'm going to sign up Halos for it. So don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a secret between me and listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell anybody. So we, we developed, well, I developed this back in 2012 when I first started getting things like not interested. And, um, well, my brother-in-law does, you know, all the, the work for us. And I started to say to myself, okay, but those things don't last. Like, those statements are, are in the moment in some cases. Yeah. And, and so, cause again, this all comes back to basic human communication behaviors, you know, like who are we at our core and like what drives us in life and yeah, like supporting family drives you. But when your brother-in-law stops doing the work the way you need it to, your relationship with him is more important than the product he's assisting you with. And so yeah. you'll fire him. You know, you will, I've done it. <laughs> so not my literal brother-in-law, but uh, uh, yes, other people in my family. Yes. 
<laughs> and, and watched my dad do it as well too. Over Your so unliteral brother-in-law. Yes, my unliteral brother-in-law. Yes. You are yes. Yes. So, yes. Let's say yes ten more times. So the yes. the idea though is that if we can put them in this thing that's a, an ecosystem of a instead of a pipeline, a pipeline is rusted, it's leaky, it's old, it sucks. But if we can create something that's alive, right? And our our depiction of the 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 pipeline, the living pipeline, is a tree with roots that lead to a base that lead to branches. And the concept is, is how do we then get those branches to yield fruit and not just rotten tomatoes, bro? I'm talking about fruit that you mm -hmm. eat and then bury in the soil and make another tree out of, right? This idea of continuation of sales and business inside of your pipe instead of you know pull, put pushing people as fast as you can through it right shoving them to the bottom and stomping them out and then getting the commission check cashed right like that's a yeah. losing mentality and so one of the things inside of that is persistence inside of the living bible is a concept of persistence and the value of that so it's if you if you sit back and understand what that truly looks like it's number one understanding the type of buyer that you're dealing with if you're talking to a high d and you're emailing him every other day or her every other day and just saying things like just checking in or even being creative at that they're gonna get annoyed by it to some extent yeah. so you have to be evaluating who it is that you're working with in the first place and that's why the lydian pipeline has different branches different concepts around that whole perspective so for me, it's, it's more or less about the concept of pleasant persistence, right? More than anything. It's about sitting back and saying, all right, I haven't talked to this person in a month or two months, but why? Right. And is that, is that okay? Should I have let it gone that far? Right. In the midst of COVID-19, it's, it's not an easy thing to be able to, or, or to, to gauge, I should say the frequency of your follow-up. But yeah. if your follow-up is just communication, just basic communication with people, then it's okay. Right. And that's kind of what the living pipeline creates is it creates experiential touch points where instead of, you know, sending somebody the just checking in email, you send them, you know, something in the mail instead, like a handwritten note that says, Hey, I know a lot of people at this stage send you a just checking in email and you throw and you delete it and it pisses you off. Uh, but instead I took five minutes out of my day to write this note, put a stamp on it, stick it in the mail to you and let you know that I'm thinking about you. You know, and if a buyer reads that, they're like, first off, they're like, this person's crazy. But yeah. secondly, they say, this person actually cares. And those are two things that are really good. Crazy and care are really good things, right? Yeah. I mean, we all love the crazy person in our life, right? I mean, maybe not all the crazy people, but, you know, the good kind of crazy, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that I know for us, it was very... And what we're doing at Halos right now is very specific to who we're having conversations with, right? Like where I'm having a conversation with right now with a guy that they call the grandfather of population health. You can bet your bottom dollar he's not getting a just checking in email, right? Like, and you can also bet your bottom dollar I didn't get a hold of him via a cold call, right? There, and, and so it's, it's, this whole entire like aspect of things, what I love about this, what you're saying here is once you have the people, you understand what they go through, you understand what they're doing. It's really, we were actually talking about this before the podcast. It depends. <laughs> like it really does. What, it, what you do depends how long 
it takes for you to respond back to people or follow up or whatnot depends. But now let me ask you this because you know that I'm, I, I dislike the word value. I think it's a cop out. I think that people, when they say add value, I think it's like, you don't really know what that means. But when you're following up with people, are you that, that handwritten note that you wrote, right? There was no real call to action to it. There was no real like, Hey, let's meet. Talk to me about that. Yeah. That's the unlock that people don't recognize is that really people just want to see that you care about them and that you have a state of compassion and that your level of impact is beyond anything that they've ever had in the first place. Who writes people handwritten notes, right? Yeah. Your, your mom writes you a, a birthday card, right? All your life, your grandma, yep. right? You know, but who writes people handwritten notes? You don't, you might get one from your insurance guy if he's old enough, right? Or, or if he's, you know, not super arrogant, like some of them, but <laughs> no names, no names here. Oh, jeez. No names. But, <laughs> but the idea, the idea here is, is that, you're doing something that's meaningful in those moments and that creates a massive amount of impact for people. It yeah. truly does. And, yeah. and I, go ahead, please. Has anyone ever told you that you're a marketer? Oh yeah, dude, all the time. Like, and I believe that I am from the very beginning of when I started doing any kind of sales work, you know, people said, this is really good marketing. Mm -hmm. and so I adapted to that and I, I studied, you know, all the concepts around marketing. And I, what I realized though, is that like we put marketing into this box where we, yeah. you have to tie a product and a service into it. No, you don't, you know, you can do it through like a visual. You never even mm -hmm. have to say anything about the product. You know, if I send you a six foot cardboard cutout of myself stabbing a copy machine, right. When it says every day he wakes up believing this is his job. And there's a note on it that says, just thinking about you and didn't want you to forget about me. Right. It's that Huge. simple. People will look at that and be like, you're crazy. And I love yeah. it. Right? Yeah. You're crazy. Yeah. I just met you and this is crazy, but I'd like to give you all of my business. Right. Like, ah, you ah. did that song. Hey, <laughs> Hey, no. And now let me, because this is something that I don't think is talked about enough is this aspect of, I think a lot of times we talk about cold outreach, right? Which is important, right? We, we, we talk about that, but one thing that you do that I think has still to this day baffled me because you do it better than any other human being on the face of this earth is presentations. And when you get in front of people, it's not boring. It's not normal. <laughs> talk to us about that. So like we've, all, we've gotten through, they think we're crazy. They got our six foot cut out. They call us an awesome marketer. They've offered us a job. We said no, but we'll meet with you. And we're in their boardroom. What are you bringing with you, Dale? Like what, what needs to be brought with you? From Disney, Disney World, right? Like that you're Ooh. giving an experience to people. And, and at every moment, number one, you're nuancing everything you've done so far, which is the idea of that salespeople suck at being selfless. We just yeah. do because we're, we're worried too much about a number that we're, that we're held to. We worry too much about a KPI that, that if we don't meet, we get, you know, points deducted and maybe even money comes out of our paycheck in some cases as well, too. That's still an old school practice being taught. And, and because of those things, we, we, we are a slave to the system, literally, to activity, not results, right? Yeah. But so if we've nuanced this concept of sitting back and saying, like, look, you don't have to buy from me. 
but I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna show you in these first moments why I believe I am the number one copier sales rep. I am the number one sales trainer, whatever it is your role is in the world, right? Kobe Bryant mindset. And I learned that a long time ago when I first read his book. And I thought to myself, that's genius. You know, if like a copy, the number one copier salesman in the world, like who wants and thinks about becoming that, right? Yep. You know, I did every single day, every single moment, anytime I did anything. And so from the clothes you wear to the PowerPoint that you use as a presentation, which should have zero words on it for the most part, it should make somebody read one little sentence and then kind of think to themselves, well, where does that go? What's yep. next around that? I have, I have so many questions. And that's what you want. Draw people out, attract them to what's happening in those moments. And the big picture perspective of it is that your words matter, number one. And so sitting there and saying, you know, let me show you a little bit more about our product where our, you know, our SQL database is, you know, and uh, like, like sitting back and going through all this rigmarole of, of tech garbage and, you know, all the things that are just, again, they're, they're blatantly wrong inside mm -hmm. of a presentation. They cause eye rolls. They make people, the two other people coming in behind you are going to do the same thing. And they're going to say that your shit is wrong and bad. And yep. theirs is better. That's what's going to happen basically inside of the way they give these experiences. But if instead you have things for them to touch and feel as well too, and maybe, you know, this is going to sound crazy to everybody listening, but there are how many senses? There are more than one, right? Mm. So, you know, even touch, getting at, at the, the atmosphere, what someone smells when they're in the room. So like we used to um, have a piece of paper. I used to have a piece of paper and I would burn it basically so that it smelled like, the copy machine had jammed it and I would use that. I would pull that piece of paper out and say like, does this look familiar? And I never said like I burnt it, but you could tell that they could smell it. You know, they totally, cause they would hold it up like that and like set it back down. And, you know, and like when people were in those kinds of, of experiences, like caught in the middle of them, they love it, dude. They yeah. get wrapped in and they, and that's what pe people deserve to be treated that way, bro. People deserve for us to stop being so boring as salespeople. And we do, yeah. look, we deserve to be able to, to show our showcase what it is that we're good at and shine through the darkness that, that is the stereotype around salespeople. Yeah. Yeah. And it, what you, what you do, it, it's interesting. And like, for those of you guys that don't have a physical product or you're doing it over zoom, understand that you can still create an experience. And I think something that's super, that, I've kind of that I've taken from all of our time together is like, tell your story. Like you better have, I, I made a post today about it. You better have a story. Like you better walk in there because yeah, like you said, the next two vendors that they talk to are going to be like, Oh yeah, that guy. Oh, he sucks. They don't do X, Y, and Z. And if they forget who you are five minutes after that meeting, you're, you're screwed. Right. And so I think one of the biggest things is create a narrative that you are going to live and die by, right. Of this is why, this is why we exist. This is what's going on. This is, this is the shift in the world. Here's what you're doing. There's going to be winners. There's going to be losers and here's how it gets fixed and then provide people with that experience, like for us at Halos, and I actually got a bad review the other day because I talk about Halos a lot. Sorry, this is the company I'm with. And no one that listens to this, by the way, is our ICP. If you're, by the way, if you're a CEO of a health plan listening to this podcast, 
you should go elsewhere. Um, <laughs> but, um, but at Halos, I literally, I get done the presentation and then I hand them my computer, bro. That's how I do it. I go, here, go ahead, log in. And I shut up. And I let them literally play with our platform. It's that simple, dude. You have to give them that experience. Yeah. And when you shut up, it allows them to speak, right? Mm-hmm. And then when they, say, when they say, how do I do this? That's when, instead of going, let me show you, you say, that's a really interesting question. Tell yep. me a little bit more about why you want to you do that. And then sometimes they might say something like, oh, what, it doesn't do that? And that's when you go, I'm going to surprise you in a second. First thing you can <laughs> answer that question. Right? You know? Yeah. So, but, you know, hang tight for just a minute and answer that question. You know? But again, the, because inside of the experience, what you're trying to drive is curiosity. And so as you're performing, essentially, because every, it's, it's the concept of, of turning your acting skills on while still being your authentic self. And the acting skills, again, are just, it's just the concept of the experience. That's all. Yeah. It's not fake. It's not fickle. It's not something they're not getting. It's the idea of saying, I'm motivated to win this. Yeah. I believe that if I, if I put my everything into it and if I come in here like a professional and that goes beyond being a quote unquote salesperson, that mm-hmm. is the concept of being a provider for them right? Then they're going to sit back and be like, that is like nothing I've ever experienced before. And like, let's say you lose the deal. Don't be so sad about it. Number one, number two, you have never lost a deal. So good, right? Like the no that comes from that is like, God, I hate to tell, I am so mad that I even have to say this, right? But we're just, we're going to stay with the incumbent because we've been with them for 20 years. But I'm going to tell you, we never, went that deep with another vendor before yeah. you keep doing what you do that was great and those are the t- types of moments you know we got kids that are calling behind the crumpled letter right now and people say we got it we're not interested but pl- don't stop doing that that was a g- the best marketing piece i've ever seen now they still yeah. hang up the phone on you yeah. right because they they're still going to put you in the category of salesperson sometimes right but man oh man you never heard something so empowering you know because most of y'all all you hear is click mm-hmm yeah. Or not interested. Like, and, and I can tell people, list. Oh God. Yeah. Like I, I, I can tell people it, it really does happen exactly like you're talking about when you do this, right. When you truly understand who you're talking to, you truly understand their day to day. You're doing something you're passionate about inside of the, a call or an email or a video. You're actually creating experiences for people they reciprocate with, Hey man, like this is, this is cool. Like I'm not going to be a dick to this guy. And when you, when that happens, you then have the ability to actually create a relationship with them, whether they do business with you or not. Right. And, and you and I've had conversations about people that literally told me when I was with my last company, they'd be like, Hey dude, I'll never do business with you, but let's keep in touch. And then they would be like, Hey dude, my dude down the road needs what you're selling. You should hit him up. Like those are the experiences. So I think that, you know, as we kind of wind down here, if you are listening to this and you're a salesperson or maybe you're a founder and you're looking to build a sales process, go to market or you're a salesperson and you're looking to rewrite your sales process. I think the keys are exactly what Dale has talked about today. Like 
rewind this, start it back from the beginning and listen to exactly what he said. Because I can tell you that the only reason that I've gotten to where I am is because of what Dale has provided me. I, what we started working, what, in 2017 together? Was that? It was, it was 2018 in December. 18. Right yeah. before, right before I, I founded the sales rebellion in March of 2019. So Ned yeah. was my first student. <gasps> first yeah. ever. And, and that was, and honestly it was, it was like, it was, it was like a whim, right? Because, yeah. and that's, that's what people need to hear and listen to is that like take risks because Ned, I wasn't even thinking about doing anything at that point, quite frankly, I'm just being honest. And Ned's was that was like, let's go to dinner when you're in Tampa next time. And we got together yeah. and chatted. And I just felt to myself, there's people out there that I can help and that I can bless. And this is so much more fulfilling than what I'm doing and, and the way I'm being treated, like a number being spied on by my company, being harshly spoken to, like I'm some kind of child in a military boot camp. You know, it was yeah. it was degrading. And I woke up and said, Oh, this could be my future, right? And and, and it didn't even matter if I make much money <laughs> because I love this. And look what yeah. it's turned into. 16 yeah. employees later, I got an office. I mean, and I'm the CEO of my own future, you know, beyond yeah. just being the CEO as a salesperson of my own future. I am literally writing something, you know, for myself, for my family, for my legacy that falls under the umbrella of something that I founded. And there's a lot of people out there that want to do something like this. And you don't, but you don't have to take this risk if you don't feel like it either. You can do it in the confines of your four walls because you can bust those four walls down and become something massive. And like what I would say to the listeners is don't like look at Ned's example of what he has been able to build like through LinkedIn and persistence and being out there in front of people building a personal brand. It was easy for Ned to be able to find the right home for himself. He yeah. didn't have to go and slaughter, the, you know, application after application and interview after interview. He had people knocking on his door going, we want a piece of what it is that you bring to the market. We believe that you can make our company better. And it's that yeah. simple. And, yeah. and that's what people, y'all need to be focused on because the same effect happens to your buyer, not just yeah. the company trying to hire you. The buyer feels the same way about these kinds of things. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it's one of those things that I think people need to look at their sales process like they look at their personal brand. Everyone's talking personal brand right now and it is super important. And I'll be honest with you, the only reason that I had four jobs to turn down before I took Alos was my personal brand. But it was also because of the actual success that I'd had inside of business because I took what you were talking about in this and I rewrote the narrative in my head, in my business, in my marriage, right? Like it's, it's holistic what we're talking about here. It really is. And, um, that's why I think every single person needs to go back and listen, re-listen to this episode, fast forward all the BS that I said, and just listen to what Dale said. Um, you will absolutely, your career will forever be changed if you listen to this podcast over and over and over again. And then you need to go to LinkedIn. You need to follow Dale. Let's be real. Everyone's following you, Dale. Um, you need to follow Dale. You need to enroll in the sales rebellion. I'm telling you this as someone who was enrolled in the sales rebellion and has done these things. And then from there, you need to go and change the game for your world that you live in. Um, and so Dale, you're the man. Thank you. 
do tell everyone though, where they can find you, how they can stalk you and where they can send their pictures to. Word. Yes. Yes. Mm. Um, headshots only, please. Yes. And, uh, or, uh, your puppies love puppies, mm. bro. No or or lip sync articles to Ooh. the song that why did I say articles lip sync videos to the song at the beginning. Ooh! Yes. Oh my god, you would make my life if you did that. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, like four years ago, someone said, "Until someone can Google your name and you show up on the first six pages, you're nothing." And this was a millionaire, mm. and I remember listening to him and he and and thinking. I'll do it. I'll do it without having a million dollars and show you. And so you just Google Dale Dupree and everything that comes up is me. And if you want to check out a content stream, linkedin.com backslash I am backslash copier warrior at sales rebellion, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, hit me up wherever I'm out here. I'm looking forward to meeting and helping other salespeople. However I can knowledge is always free, right? And helping salespeople is the name of the game. I love it, dude. And as always, man, it's been a blast, dude. Always, dude. All right, bro. Be good. <laughs>